A good running episode of The Wheel Nerds starts like this. Hi, and welcome to The Wheel Nerds. This is episode 24. I'm Chuck, and there's no Todd. Todd's out in Seattle playing uh, a broken guitar on a street corner somewhere, trying to find a job. Uh, that's okay, though, because for this week, I'm going to be joined by two special guest hosts that uh, listened to me crying and begging for a while and then had some uh, some pity on me. We've got uh, James and Chris from The Pace On. Hey there. How are you? Hey, wow, this is pretty cool, guys. Um, thanks again for being on the show. Um, I know you're awfully busy with internet stardom and motorcycle greatness uh <laughs> yeah, all the stuff we get paid the big bucks for the huge internet bucks yeah right, exactly. whoa, whoa whoa james you're 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 keeping all the big bucks no well, no no they're, they're bucks? internet bucks where's where's my big bucks you're, you're oh. getting them internet oh. dollars they're, oh, they're imaginary oh, right right chris right, okay. do you have a monopoly box somewhere in the house no oh uh, because if you did the bucks would be there <laughs> damn it <laughs> all right let's start out with uh who the hell are you guys uh, if I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time I, I ask someone to come on the show to be a guest, that's the first thing they ask me is, who the hell are you? <laughs> well, that guy over there is James. James and I have known each other for a couple years. I guess we met through some sporttouring.net events. And I'm Chris. And we were sitting at a bar one night at one of the local gatherings. And I had mentioned the idea of doing a podcast. And the next day, James sent me an email and he said, how serious were you? And it kind of went from there. And here we are two years later still doing the show. Two years. Wow, that's a pretty long time to put up with each other. It is. <laughs> it, it's Basically, it's due to, to my remarkable patience and good graces. And, and that, and he keeps, he keeps promising me big internet boxes. And I'm <laughs> so I keep showing up. Sooner or later, a box from TourTech will show up, right? I'm, right, I'm like that. Right. I'm like that guy in Office Space. My my, my stapler, my my, <laughs> my, string, my stapler, my my internet big bucks, and I'm still waiting. One day the building's going to burn down. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, every time I, I listen to the pace, it sounds like you guys are riding a different bike. How many bikes do you guys have between the two of you? Well, no, really, that's just Chris. He turns his bikes over once every three or four weeks. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's entirely um, that's entirely not true. I've had, this, <laughs> I've had this SV now for like eight months. You guys are both on SVs for one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Chris is a Harley, or did have a Harley? In two thousand eight, I bought a Street Glide and a Sportster. I got rid of my FJR <clears throat> and my CBR for a Harley. Just just breathe through it and let it happen, man. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was weird for you know riding both a sport bike and a cruiser, but you were giving up a sport bike for a cruiser. Just, just, to, just to clarify, two Harleys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there we go. What brought it on, man? You know, I... I... <laughs> like a sickness. <laughs> <laughs> was it like a rash? Did it just spread? Look, the doctor said, rub some cream on it, buy a Harley, you'll be fine. And I, I took him at his word. Little did I know, he was just, you know, a Harley salesman. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, over, over the years, I've had, I've had like, literally everything you can think of that, you know, a working man can afford. So, you know, the Harley was, was one of those things, like, you know, I'd really like to have one one day. And, you know, I've, I've been working at this job for a while, and I had, like, 40 or 50 extra bucks in my pocket. And they said, you know, that's enough to put down on one. We'll finance you. Get on out of here, kid. And, you know. Nice. And, uh, 
I mean, no, seriously, it, Harley makes a wonderful bike. I mean, it's it's a very purposefully built bike. It's not like, you know, it's not like you can run into a Honda dealer and pick up anything you want. Harley works within a genre. And frankly, I think they're they're pretty much king of that genre. And, and I wanted to, to take a turn on one. I got to agree. Those bikes definitely give off this kind of feel of quality, even while you're standing in the pool of oil. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be quality. <laughs> yes, it, it oozes quality. Yeah, there you go. No, but yeah, they do feel like uh, they got like a remarkably solid feel to them. I uh, I regularly go down to a Harley dealer and and sit on one just to see how long it is before I'm I'm chased out the door. <laughs> well, the nice thing is, I mean, honestly, I bought I bought my first Harley uh, a few months before uh, a cross country road trip that a bunch of friends and I had planned. And I got to tell you, a, a huge consideration on getting that bike was the nationwide dealer support is second to none. The warranty is, you know, you pretty much, you know, a gnat hits it and they're ready to give you a new paint job. Anything you want for the bike, you can buy out of a catalog or somebody has built nine or ten other versions of it. It's one of the most well-supported brands in the entire world in, in this particular industry. And frankly, it's, it's a good quality bike. So, I mean, it might not be a, a track bike. It might not be, you know, it might not be a street standard sport or anything like that, but what it does, it does very, very well. Well, and it's certainly absolutely the most well-supported bike in this country. For sure. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't throw a rock without hitting a Harley dealer somewhere. Yeah. And they'll usually charge you for it too. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> but you know, when you think about it, like, like, I wanted a dedicated touring bike, right? So in 2008, I think the FJR that I was I was driving at the time, you know, they were going for $15,000. Yep. And the Goldwing was going for $24,000. And the Royal Star Venture was going for twenty, And, you know, all these, all these other options. And that Victory Vision thing was, was clocking in around twenty two, And I bought my Street Glide for eighteen. So, I mean... It's big bucks, sure, but in the touring bike market, it was, you know, middle of the road. Sure, yeah. You know, the KLT, I think, was 22, I think, at the time. So, I mean, it was it was certainly not the most expensive. It wasn't the most well-appointed in terms of features and whatnot. But, well, again, it's it's what it did. It did well. And you got in on the Harley thing sort of just after the, you know, the absolute mania that was that, that sort of survived through the... You know, through through the middle part of the decade, where literally, if you wanted to buy a Harley, you had to jump on a waiting list and pay uh, MSRP plus ten or fifteen percent. Yeah, you oh, know? easily. Yeah. So fortunately, you missed that craziness. Well, I certainly, you know, was looking at that time in two thousand four is when I really started, you know, planning on buying a Harley. And yeah, like you're talking about, you could go and you could buy any one you want as long as it was like black or flames. And it was costing five grand more than MSRP. So, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you were walking out of the store head to toe in Harley gear. Right, right, yeah. Which, you know, was another five grand. Yeah, yeah, With yeah. a Harley doormat and a, a fine set of Harley glassware and a Christmas tree <laughs> ornament or two. And... Did you go with the silk boxers or with the flannel on? <laughs> <laughs> flannel all the way, baby. <laughs> hey, I, I had one quick question for you, Chris, while you're still here with us. When you were doing the show about the barber trip, you were talking about your, uh, your luck. And a flat tire incident uh, I want to ask you about. <laughs> so when you're sitting there with a flat in front of uh, this this prison and this guard comes walking over towards you, I'm, I'm assuming you and your rider, who's a, a new rider now or new yeah, passenger? Yeah, she, yeah. She just got licensed this weekend. Awesome. So she was in full gear, right? Uh-huh. 
So this guard comes walking over to the two two of you guys in full gear, and he's able to just see right away. Excuse me, ma'am, you appear to be giving off female-type pheromones, which have been known to drive prisoners into a frenzy. Is that what was going on? I mean... That's fundamentally it. That's exactly right. She is, um... She is, um... Did she, like, pull her helmet off and, like, swing her hair about? And there was, like, a, like a shampoo commercial? What was, exactly, I mean, right? Yeah. She was like Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool. Oh, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, she, um, she has a modular helmet. So, you know, it was obvious, you know, that she had a girl's face. And, um, <laughs> you know, we were both in jeans that day. Neither of us had riding pants on. Okay. And, um, you know, she is clearly a woman. Right. Um, okay. I could just imagine that, you know, redneck guard be like, you're going to drive them into a feeding, mating frenzy. <laughs> Please remove yourselves immediately. <laughs> but but it really was like it took me a minute to realize just how serious this guy was. You know, as I realized they're they're actually unloading a road crew right now. Yeah, I think we should listen to this guy with the gun. <laughs> <laughs> With with the gun on his hip and the shotgun in his hand. Yeah, we should probably listen to this guy. Because at first, you know, I was getting kind of indignant with him. I'm like, dude, it's broke. Just give me <laughs> it and I'll figure it out. But both guys were, were, were fairly large and intimidating. And, of course, the crowd that they were, they were preceding, you know, didn't look like anybody you really wanted to tussle with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. You know, you need to get a sticker with like a tiki face on it because your your luck on that trip sounds a lot like our luck last year. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, well, you know what they say: uh, adventure, adventure is adversity told at leisure, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of adventure that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why you know the Tour Tech brand adventure starts looking good at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How much is that toilet paper holder again? Oh, I think it's like uh, thirty bucks. But uh, that's insane, dude. En- enter a contest with Adventure <laughs> Coffee, and you could you could be a proud owner. I did I did touch the toilet paper that came, and uh, it's 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 very adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> that is like what eighty grit sandpaper? Yeah, it's like sixty to eighty grit. There, it's uh, nice. It's guaranteed to remove some stuff. It's papyrus. <laughs> so, do you still have the Harleys, Chris? No, no. I've okay. I've since moved on, and I'm actually uh, uh, t- I I own currently the SV650, which is a Gen One. I think it's I think it's what a year newer than yours, James. Mine's an O2. Uh, I thought yours was an O1. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, well, my, mine's a 2000. So okay. I think it's an O2. I don't know. Okay. Whatever it is. It's it's black. Who cares? I also have a Bergman 650 that I don't think I'm going to own much longer. Oh, okay. But uh, I really like that machine. I, I like that machine a lot. Mm-hmm. How about you, James? Uh, well, I have the, the SV I've, I've act, I actually bought new in 2000. So I've had that bike. It, she's been with me for 11 years now. Holy crap, man. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I just, you know, I really like the bike. It's a lot of fun to ride. It doesn't make a ton of power, and the suspension's crap out of the factory. But once you get it sorted, it's it's really on point. It's just it's a it's a nice, fun, narrow little bike, mm-hmm. um, and it's it just you know it, it does it does pretty much everything you need it to do. Eleven years—that's like a marriage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. I'm, I'm flipping my bikes about once every two years or so. But wow, 
Yeah. Ha, yeah. and people rag on me. I'm not the only one. No, I, I, I make a rule to at least try to buy a new bike every year if I can. <laughs> <laughs> See, I need to, my priorities are all screwed up. I need to make that rule. <laughs> See if I can live by that. I can tell you, James, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, but you get good at selling bikes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my problem. I don't want to sell anything. My wife's only rule is that as long as she can park in the garage, she's golden with whatever I do. Park. James, you were what? you were touching on a, uh, a John Cusack moment there. I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to process anything. I don't want to buy or sell anything that's processed. I don't want to. Never mind. <laughs> so wait, Chuck, you actually you actually put a car in the garage? I have to. There's a car in in half the garage. Wow. Yeah. This is a foreign concept. That's, I don't. I, yeah. I hear the words, but I, I, it see, makes no sense. The car, the car in the garage means I can buy a bike every year. That's All right, that's well, how it works out. That's that's fair enough. Then you got uh, anything besides the SV? You got don't you? You have a Triumph, right? Yeah, just recently, just uh, this past April, I think it was. Uh, I I bought the uh, I bought a Sprint GT. Mm-hmm. And that uh, makes us brothers now. It's all <laughs> yeah. We are yeah. both triumphant. There, I'll tell you, there's something about those bikes. Oh, as as much you know, as as much fun as I routinely make of uh, the the cultish following that that Harley Davidsons have. I like the Triumphs an awful lot. You know, it's just it's one of those things. I like the brand, and I'm I'm really enjoying that bike. Yeah, you know, outside of uh, the, the Japanese brands, I, I think you could say something about all the other, you know, all the other brands having a sort of cultish following. You know, yeah. Ducati, Triumph, BMW, Buell. Oh, certainly, <laughs> certainly, because you've clearly been brainwashed. If you're anyway, I, I've got this giant Buell banner. I just stare at every time. <laughs> it's it's nice. I can just touch it. <laughs> I'm going to see if he goes to that international motorcycle show and I can tackle him. <laughs> if I only touch him once, it'd be okay. Okay, you're creeping me out a little bit now. <laughs> see, it's not Eric, just for the show that I do. my hero. <laughs> I'll be, I'm never washing this side of my body again. <laughs> I think we just went too far. Is that possible? No, not on this show. <laughs> Awesome. The emails that Todd and I get always say that uh, the pace is like the NPR and the wheel nerds are the morning show. <laughs> so here well, you cannot go too far, gentlemen. Gosh, um, thank you for that. But I kind of feel like we're we're like we're, we're at best, at very best, I feel like we're college radio most of the time. <laughs> yeah, because there's way too much credibility with NPR. <laughs> well, you know, you guys catch me up on stuff that I miss in my hours of not working and just wasting time on the web so you were you were the guys i uh found out about modus oh really uh, yeah yeah. you were the guys that broke it to me anyways so you know i i pick up stuff from your guys show here i just kind of pick up a rash from todd (laughs) because he sits in my basement and he's got this film honestly that's um that that's very flattering because I think I think James and I both approach the show as in we're just putting on the show we like to listen to you know a little bit of lo- news a little bit of goofing around maybe some interviews now and then and mostly just you know what we've got going on so it's mm-hmm. I, thank you that's that's very cool yeah that's actually really similar to the approach Todd and I have except 
Todd and I mainly just want to make each other laugh. <laughs> right, right. And, and well, our, you, you do an excellent job of that. And uh, um, we, we make our wives roll their eyes as many times as possible in a five-minute span. <laughs> but that's really what it comes down to. You know, we, we get together once a week and we shoot the shit about bikes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and we record it. That's cool. It's, you know, it's pretty much the same conversation we would have were we not recording it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much true. I mean, the only difference really is we we enunciate a little more. We try to. Yeah, yeah I mean, it depends on how much beer there is. Yeah, exactly. I'm still working on that. Uh, Todd could tell you about that. He's routinely beats me for my mumbling. <laughs> oh, so here's a very serious <laughs> question. It's for, part of your uh, charm, Chuck. Don't worry about it. <laughs> serious question for the both of you. This uh, you might want to take a moment or two to think about this one. Team Chuck or Team Todd? Team Sophie. Well, okay. <laughs> you have to be diplomatic about it. Oh, no, that's not diplomatic. I was just being honest. Damn it. <laughs> she gets more mail than the both of us combined. That's awesome. Which is kind of creepy in a way. No, it's not creepy. I mean, you're, 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 you're working at a serious disadvantage. I mean, you, you just you can't compete. How, how, old, how old is your daughter? Three. You can't compete with that. Not at all. I mean, there's built-in cute factor there that, as as wonderful as you are, you'll just never appreciate or you know approach. No, and she's well aware of that. She's well aware of her charm. It's it's a little disturbing (laughs) to see her work a room. Yeah, you (laughs) and Todd are fighting for second place. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about you, Chris? You're gonna go with that answer too, or you're gonna be original? (laughs) Damn it! Don't put me on the spot like this. Well, you know what? Here we are talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're the guy who showed up yeah i'm the guy that, i'm the guy that showed up that's because this basement door has a lock on it <laughs> from the outside <laughs> <laughs> my wife wishes <laughs> you guys have talked about on past shows about you know doing the whole dealer the dealership experience um like the, the, the one question todd and i keep coming back to and I know you guys have talked about it between yourselves is what the hell with the test ride? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, why, why is it so hard to do? And why is, you know, that to me, that kind of really f- colors like a whole dealership experience for you on, you know, how willing are they to let you actually touch their stuff? You know, I, I, I have a real problem when you walk into a dealership and it's like, you know, they've got three Japanese brands and like KTM. And then it's like, I would like to ride this Ninja 650R, and if I like it, I'm going to write you a check for $7,200 and drive out of here with it today. Nope, can't do it. Right. But if you buy it, you know, and you don't like it, we'll just tear up the paperwork. No, <laughs> I, I I would like to write you a check. Do you understand? I want to write you a check, and I got dropped off here in a car, and I want to ride this bike home. All I'm asking for is take it around the block first to make sure, you know, it's not going to vibrate my teeth out or something. Nope. Sorry, I can't do that. Insurance. It's all about the insurance. Yeah, and that's the excuse you always get. Yeah. So why can I walk next door to the BMW dealer or go two blocks up the road to the Triumph dealer or swing a cat and hit 15 Harley dealers who are all throwing bikes at me to take for a test ride? Do they have some magic insurance that the Japanese folk have come along and say, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that? So Harley dealers are offering test rides now? (laughs) They were willing to give me test rides before BMW were. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Honestly, I've never seriously shopped for a Harley, but 
I've I've heard stories from people who have asked for a test ride at a Harley dealer, and they were offered the opportunity to uh, rent a bike for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've I've heard that too, and I, you know, basically had to talk the guy out of giving me a bike for the weekend. Really, one time for a test huh. ride. In fact, it was when I bought my Street Glide. I was in there. I was looking at an Electric Glide Standard, just the, the real base package. And he's like, look, you know, it's Saturday afternoon at, at 4. Why don't you bring it back before we close tomorrow? They're open on Sundays. Why don't you bring it back before we close tomorrow? And if you like it, we can do some paperwork on Monday. I'm like, that's really tempting, but no, because I'm going to put like 1,000 miles on it if I do that. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to pay you, you know, rental fees for it. He's like, no, man, just take it. I'm like, yeah, I appreciate it, but no, you know, I'll just, I'll just take it for a little ten mile ride. No, I'll be fine. But yeah, I mean, he was throwing bikes at me every time I've gone in there since too. It's like, what do you want to ride? Like nothing. Oh, that's take interesting. It easy. Yeah, the Harley I mean, I, dealer here was very similar with uh, just giving us hand keys over to us for the asking, and Todd and I look like a couple of douchebags. They didn't, and when I say douchebags, we don't look like Harley douchebags. So they were still just perfectly happy to hand over stuff to us. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I've I've had that experience in BMW dealerships. Yeah, you know, but uh, but no, never a Harley dealer. Hmm. But the, yeah, the Japanese dealers. Uh, the one time I well, the few times I've asked for test rides, I get a story about how they have problems with bikes being stolen. Someone uh, they like fabricate driver's licenses and hand those over, and they can never find the bikes again, and they just disappear. And I haven't heard the insurance story. I get the the more elaborate stories, I guess. Yeah, the the one I hear most is the insurance, and then you know if it comes down to stealing the bike, I mean I'm li- willing to leave him a kid or two for for collateral. I mean, it's not, I'm not coming back. <laughs> you can always make more. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> we actually had a friend that went and was uh, um, going to buy a V-Strom, had the money, was there to buy the V-Strom, and they still wouldn't let him do the ride. Yeah, wow. I mean, like I said, I've been in that exact same position. He you know, turned around and crazy. got a tiger. I mean, that's somebody who just doesn't want to sell a bike. Exactly. And I told him straight up, like, do you understand? Like, here's a checkbook in my pocket. Here, look look at it. There's paper in it. And I'm going to – I want to give you money for this bike today, but I am not buying anything I can't buy, uh, test ride. Mm-hmm. Right. The answer was just a flat no. And the best I got, like I said, was you can – we can do all the paperwork and you can ride the bike out of here. And if you don't like it, bring it back inside a day and we'll tear the paperwork up. Like, that just yeah. sounds really hard. You know, it's like, here, put your head in this noose, and if you don't like it, we'll take it right off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure, I'm sure somebody want, you know, called them on that at one point. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm sorry. The paper already went to Harrisburg. Sorry. Yeah, there's, there's uh, no buyer's remorse law here. You, yeah. you need to leave. <laughs> Please sorry. leave now. It's yours now. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned uh, the, the example of uh, – Walking in without a car, because that was exactly how I bought the Triumph Thruxton this past weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, w- I want to hear about that bike, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Weirdly enough, the Harley dealer and the BMW Triumph dealer in town here are a block apart from each other. And I had to take the Ulysses in for a, a low fuel sensor thingamajig where it would just kind of flash on and off. So I dropped the Uli off, and I just go strolling over to the BMW Triumph dealer. And uh, walk in, and I talked to them before about the Scrambler. So when they saw me, they were kind of prepared for me. They, they saw you coming, in other words. They saw me coming. They were laughing when they saw me open the door. And the guy was like, hey, you want to take that Scrambler for a ride? You know, take it as long as you want. 
I was like, well, I'd rather, you know, I want to try to ride this Thruxton. It's kind of looking cooler to me. It's saying something to me, something in very sexy tones. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's where it changed a little. They didn't have a demo unit of the Thruxton. And you can kind of hear the record scratch when I, when I asked for it. It was just like, oh, you want to, you want to ride that bike? Oh. <laughs> and then I got the, the very famous question of, well, how serious are you about buying this bike? Serious enough to write a check. Now get it out or I'm leaving. <laughs> right. Actually, my, my exact answer was, here's my helmet. Here's my backpack. There's no car and there's no bike outside. I have to walk five miles to get home. <laughs> and at that point, they just closed the door and locked it. <laughs> uh, they let me beat on the Scrambler for a good 30 miles. When I got back, they said, uh, you know, you could take the floor model out, ride it around the block. Don't put more than two miles on it and then let us know what you think. And uh, I rode it down to the end of the cul-de-sac and then back and was like, I would like to have this bike now, please. <laughs> I was See, probably that's, that's funny. Triumph has, um, you know, th their demonstrator program is, uh, from what I've heard, is, is kind of interesting. They actually, most dealers will get demonstrator models or copies of, of each model. And they have to have a certain number of miles put on them before they can flip them and sell them. I've heard that too. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that that was the case with the Thrux. I mean, maybe uh, maybe they had already sold their demo. Uh, the way the manager at BMW Triumph talked was uh, they couldn't keep him on the floor. Really? He had he, And he was literally like, you know, if you want the Scrambler still, I can make you one hell of a deal on it. But on the Thruxton, they just sell too easy. You know, it'll be, I'll give you a deal, but you're obviously a fish. And, you know, they're very similar bikes uh, as far as the mill that's, that's riding them. But they're they're very they feel very different. My problem with the Scrambler was that after twenty miles of riding it, it felt too much like I was riding a milder, a more mild, more polite version of my Ulysses. Right. Hmm. And the Thruxton just never gave me that feeling. It was like going out with a cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll tell you that's that's a good looking bike too. It's just it's just pretty. Yeah, I've got I've gotten quite a bit of delay factor with that bike already. Just in the couple of days I've had it, because it uh, I, I think that whole vintage cafe racer look is going to be the new chopper or the new yeah. adventure fad, the new the the new fad that every dentist and lawyer is going to be jumping on. <laughs> Which just you know makes me sad because then I'll just look like every other douchebag. <laughs> well, on the upside, you can be an individual while doing it. Right. I will have Triumph branded clothes. <laughs> Although when you think about it, the Cafe Racer was sort of the the original, you know, the, the, the original park it in front of the restaurant and hang out bike, right? Sure. So it evolved into the chopper and then into, into the ADV bike, and now it's just coming back around. Yeah, and I'm actually cool with that. If you've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of, of uh, the Thruxton on, on, I put it up on our Facebook page or not. Yep. I think yeah, James has, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm wearing that Japanese jacket in there, the uh, Yoshimura jacket. While we were waiting for the paperwork to go through and my uh, falsified credit rating to come up, <laughs> the manager's sitting there. And, and this is uh, Mike, who we've interviewed on the show before, so he was, I guess, pretty comfortable. But he was like, hey, you know, I don't mean to be a giant dickhead about this, but we've got to get you out of that fucking Japanese jacket. <laughs> Except the only Triumph jacket I could see at the time he brought it up was the one that said Steve McQueen on it, right, as a name patch. Yeah. yeah. And that just seemed a little bit too far over into douchebag territory for me to go with. 
Yeah. yeah. Triumph's got some good-looking clothes, but not that one. Sure. <laughs> well, and if, 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 you, if you were buying the Scrambler, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I, I need something that, you know, cafe racer-ish or, you know, something that looks good in front of the Chevron when I'm right. leaning on the Thruxton, <laughs> waiting for all the girls not to jump on. Because <laughs> that's the, really the way it works. Yeah. I've got to hop off and go take care of something. But, okay. Um, I want to say thanks for, for having me on, and, and James is going to hang with you a little longer. That's and, great. Uh, congratulations on 24 episodes. That's awesome. Keep it up. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for filling in for Todd. Take All right, care. Chris. Talk to you on Thursday. All right, man. So uh, have you had much experience in selling a bike? No, I've never sold a bike. No? Okay. Never. I want to talk about that a little if you're cool. Yeah. All right. So here's what happened. And this would be something I, I bounce off as Todd, but since you're fake Todd now, All you, right. get, you get to be the sounding board. So so wait, do, do we need a, a fourth category then? Team Sophie, Team Chuck, Team Todd, Team Fake Todd? Team Fake Todd. No one write in for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm warning you. Though if, if anything, uh, Colleen would probably write in and be on Team Fake Todd. <laughs> Uh, she's the one who's like, when I want to hear a real podcast, I, I go to the pace. <laughs> yeah. We have some people fold apparently. <laughs> a very, a very good job. You sound so serious and, and with so much credibility, that's what it is. My wife heard you guys in the background once and she, she thought I was listening to a, a new show. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then she just beat me and told me to go back in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me a lot. But anyway. So I sold the M50, my cruiser, as right. a, a prerequisite for the, uh, the Thruxton, right? Sold it in a day. I probably had it very underpriced, but I wanted it gone so I could get the Thruxton. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, get my new Triumph. The guy that answered the ad, he came up the first day and he shows up. And uh, to recap the last show, when I turned on the bike to start it for him, the first words out of his mouth were, What's that noise? And he was talking about the fuel pump. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, so he gave me – and Todd was there. He gave us a very bad feeling about this guy's uh, whole background with motorcycles. Turns out he uh, he grew up riding dirt bikes, which Todd will tell you is code for I don't ride. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. well, and which, you know, don't have fuel pumps. Right, right, right. So he wouldn't he wouldn't know. Right. So when I uh, – he ended up buying the bike and when I, I rode it over to his house to drop it off, he was giving me a ride back and I, I was chatting him up a bit. And uh, he doesn't have an M. He wasn't planning to take the uh, the BRC class. Oh, He wasn't uh, riding at all. This was like his first bike. Right. You know, this uh, pretty heavy – you know, an M50 – it's it's a, it's a weighty bike. It's 800cc. Sure, yeah. it's, uh, it's no slouch. But – it gave me all kinds of bad feelings <laughs> selling this bike to him. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's an adult, right? They, yep. you know, their check clears. That's great. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I was already feeling kind of bad because, uh, arguably I've already crashed one newbie this year. I don't need to crash another one. Now, I mean, this guy, you know, he, he, like you say, he's an adult. He made his choice. He knew what he was buying. You know, it's not like you tried to talk a 17-year-old into taking a Hayabusa, right? Right. No, because I would never – no, no, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> so that's when, you know, the guy drops you off at the curb, you get out of the car, you don't look back. <laughs> yeah. Really. Like, have fun. Yeah. Uh, enjoy that dim 50. Don't, don't drop it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can offer all the advice you want. You can, you can give him the benefit of your experience. It's up to him to either take it or not. Yeah. And because sooner or later, you're just going to sound like a dick. Yeah. Absolutely. As much as I enjoy doing that, it was, I didn't want him to take the check back. Right. You brought the, did you buy the Sprint brand new? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your dealership has ice cream sandwiches. They do have ice cream sandwiches. Best thing about that dealer. I know. Mine only has the Keurig uh, coffee thing. Yeah. I don't drink coffee, so it doesn't help. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. to, I'm going to try to talk him into an, an ice cream sandwich of some sort. The ice cream sandwiches are key. <laughs> You know, especially when, and that's, that's the reason I, d I don't mind, you know, waiting for service. If I have to, if I have to kill an hour, I'll, I'll kick back on the sofa in front of the, the big screen TV in the, in the, in the, uh, the customer's lounge and, you know, nosh an ice cream sandwich and the watch, time passes, you know. Yeah. Watch some fine. porn. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I'm going to need to drop that in the suggestion box. <laughs> It's usually, I, you know, motorcycle racing or something. I bet their service uh, record would probably go up considered. They'd have more bikes in to work I, I'd on. I'd imagine, yeah. Did you follow the break-in on the sprint? Religiously, yeah. Okay, so I'm not feeling so bad because, man, as I – this is my first new bike, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's going to – if I will ever buy another new bike because this break-in period is killing me. It's tough. It's I'm, tough. I'm I mean, having the worst time with it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you just, you, it's, you want to go out and put some miles on the bike just to reach the next milestone, you know, right. just to tick it over so you can add a couple hundred RPM. Right. But my dealer actually threw in some, uh, he, th he threw in some caveats about that. He was like, don't do that. Don't go on the freeway and just put miles on it. You right. need to be rowing through the gearbox. You need right. to be. That's the, you, you need yeah. to vary the RPM. You don't right. want to just run at a steady. Yeah. Right. And that's just killing me. I, yep. I, I barely got to the uh where i'm now in the three to four thousand range on the rpm it's so much fun more now because uh at the three thousand ceiling i was at that was just teasing the power band on that bike right oh it's horrible yep now we uh we have we we talked to a guy on on the pace uh the chris hart who bought uh an aprilia rsv4 and when he bought that bike, he actually paid the dealer to, I think it was the dealer, it might have been a local performance shop, to break the bike in on a dyno. Oh. Which I, I have no idea what that service costs, but mm. I'm starting to think it might it might not be a bad idea. I, I've actually started to wonder about that um, while I'm doing all these lovely, lovely low-speed miles. Yeah. Um, if there would be a market for that, you know, at, yeah. at a dealer, you know, a pre-broken bike, just... You know, the dealer guarantees that it's, you know, broken properly, that it doesn't have problems, that they weren't just doing burnouts in the parking lot. Yeah. I yeah. could see me going for something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd guarantee that because, the you know, if there were a problem with the break-in, it may not show up until well after the, uh, the warranty's expired. Right, yeah. You I know? mean, it's, it's a big trust issue at that point. Do you trust those guys yeah. to, to actually do it? You know. Yeah, and if you know if you're talking about an, an Aprilia dealer or someone who specializes in, you know, in that level of performance bike, someone who has a dyno in the shop, then that that level of trust is probably there. Sure, I could see BMW or Ducati getting away with it. Sure, uh, Triumph too. Probably. I mean, here the BMW Triumph are under the same roof. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's kind of like 
your friend's like, hey, don't worry, I broke your girlfriend in for you. Right, right. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's, it's, it's going to run great for as long as you have <laughs> Yeah, but oh yeah, no, I got I got to get rid of that. Um, you know, since Todd and I started doing the shows, I've found myself getting into podcasts more, just mm-hmm. listening to them. So I listen to like you guys now. Do you have podcasts that aren't? I mean, that you listen to besides obviously us? <laughs> Kidding. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, the only other motorcycle podcast I listen to, other other than you guys, since I you know I I, I don't listen to ours clearly is uh motorcyclists radio okay uh, which is actually a radio show it's hosted by steve natt who's you know who's written for motorcyclists and cycle mm-hmm. world and mcn and a couple other a couple other rag and i think the show actually used to be cycle world radio but now it's flipped over i, I have some vague memory of that okay and it's motorcyclist radio very much the same format but it's it's a pretty entertaining show i i, I dig that one a lot other than that, honestly, there's not there's not a ton out there that really appeals to me. There are some uh, there are some racing podcasts I'll listen to. You do a racing podcast, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. with uh, with Scott Bolton, an- another friend of mine. We've been a little hit and miss on that, but we're starting to find a more regular flow now that you know the season's almost over. But that that's been a lot of fun. And there 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 are a couple other racing podcasts I listen to. Uh, Motopod is a good one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, so many of them seem to be focused on the cruiser market, which just doesn't really appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of not my deal. And one of the, you know, a couple of years ago when when we started, when Chris and I started the show, it was largely because we were having trouble finding the show we wanted to listen to. You know, we were both yeah. big fans of uh, Prubert, who we've talked to a couple times had a podcast years ago, uh, Motocast. Chris and I were both huge fans of that show. And when that left, when it, when it wasn't, wasn't being published anymore, we kind of felt like we, we missed it, you know, and mm-hmm. no one else sort of stepped in and filled that gap. So we're like, oh, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. You know, outside of the pace, I actually don't listen to any other motorcycle podcasts. The, the main podcasts I listen to are Kevin Smith podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just funny. Oh yeah. Those are great. And, yeah. uh, I keep wanting to steal his jokes, but then I realize that, you know, I'm trying to keep it slightly PG on this show occasionally. So, right. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately. So have you been happy with your, your, your triumph dealer then you're good with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they're actually, they're a little bit of a distance for me. They're about an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. There's another dealer that's much closer. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, I, I I walked into that dealer a couple times when I was when I was shopping, and yeah, the salesman just kind of blew me off. You know, I, I, I get blown off by salesmen left and right. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't didn't take me seriously at all, and I you know when it came time to buy, I didn't go back. I once spent an hour walking around a Dodge dealership waiting for someone to talk to me. Yeah, just uh, out, of, out of amazement that no one would. I mean, I'm looking in cars, I'm opening them, sending them. Salesmen would nudge me out of the way to get to the cars that were pulling into the lot and opening doors for other people. It's like they thought I was there to detail the cars or something. Right. Which is, I don't know, I don't get. I mean, even at BMW Triumph, now that they know my face, they were still kind of, they they managed to let me make it all the way through the floor and put my backpack down and start touching motorcycles before they talked to me. Really? Just on the off chance I went to the bathroom to clean it, I guess. And I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. They're great. I mean, they're they're great 
people. I gotta sure. say, now that I've, I've done the deal with them, they've been well. They, you know, they had they knew they had me on the hook right away when I said I had no way home. Right, and, right. And it looks like it's going to rain. <laughs> Please take pity on me and sell me a bike. Yeah, the 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 salesman starts rubbing his hands and twisting his comically long mustache. He's like, "Yeah, hold on a second. I gotta call a guy about a boat." Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool though, because I, I man, I love that bike. Yeah. And that leads to this week's test ride, which is not the Thruxton. <laughs> oh, all right. Something I, else. Yeah, I want to talk about the Scrambler. Okay. We've talked a lot about the Scrambler on the show before. We. Todd and I have both test rode them back in, I think, 2008. Okay. Which was uh, the pre-fuel injected uh, scrambler. And oh, that's right. They, yeah. yeah. They just switched, uh, uh, what, two years ago? 2000... 2009. Nine, yeah. Yeah. So we rode the pre-fuel injected one, and we made the mistake of making it the last bike we rode that day, um, where we rode the Street Triple, the Speed Triple, and the Rocket 3. Mm-hmm. And then we got on the scrambler. Right. Which was a huge mistake, because uh, that scrambler left us feeling both very dissatisfied right well you know considering the engines that are in the speed triple and the rocket three right yeah it was a totally different league we were talking about but you know and we we've talked about on the show before that you know the scrambler just doesn't cut it and i'm going to stand corrected and say the scrambler does cut it in what way i mean what in what way didn't it cut it before and and it does now Oh, God, it was like every way. Um, we got on it, and this is uh, – I think Todd had the same kind of feelings, but I sat down on it, hated the seat, hated the mirrors. I twisted the throttle, hated the response, hated the brakes. It was like it did everything barely adequate. Okay. And again, in hindsight, this was – I had just gotten off the Rocket 3. Sure. Which was the only bike the dealership warned us about. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you got to watch this one. That that back tire is going to break loose. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. And the Scrambler, you know, it just wasn't that, you know. And I, I really think it was just we, we our expectations had been set all askew. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a bike. That was the best thing we could say about it. It's like, yep, that's a motorcycle. So having had that experience on the Scrambler, yep. what was it about the scrambler that made you want to go look at it again i'll be turning 40 soon okay (laughs) uh you know i i don't know i i you know we make jokes about the uh the lemming douchebag thing uh the you know gentlemen of a certain age with disposable income all flocking to one thing right but I've just had this kind of – I've got this this thing in my head that I wanted a, a retro vintage thing. You know, I, and I, I've talked about that on the show before. Um, I think Todd really planted the seed with that, with uh, his Ural. Right. And so that's what got me looking at the Ural ST. Youth brought up the Royal Enfield uh, in Twitter, and I started looking at those too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started, you know, that, that was funny with Todd because he was like, Royal Enfield, what? Well, yeah, and I, I'd, li- I'd like to actually, I'd like to commend Todd for being man enough to, uh, to step <laughs> up and, and admit, I, I listened to last week's show, and admit that he was completely and entirely wrong about the Royal Enfield. <laughs> and, and that I was, in fact, a, 100% correct and that he couldn't have been further off base than he was in his initial assessment. I mean, that, that's what he said, right? That's what I heard. Were you? Are you listening to the right show? 
<laughs> no, you're right. I'm going to back you up on that. That's exactly what he said. He, Most importantly, Todd isn't here to defend himself, so abs- that's what I'm going with. I'm there. He was eating crow. He was. Uh, he had a burlap shirt on. <laughs> he was hitting himself with uh, a board that had broken glass uh, glued to it. Nice. It was. Uh, he was rending his sh- pants. It was. Uh, yeah, you were absolutely right. I think he rubbed ashes on his face. He was definitely up. Yeah, you. You owned him, sir. <laughs> you spanked him thoroughly. That. That is. Well, that's an image I really. <laughs> Chaps were involved. Yeah, <laughs> he he really hadn't paid any attention to Enfield, so it was kind of an eye opener for both of us to to look at that. Yeah, um, and they have you know the, they they really have sort of been in the dark ages for a very very long time. Um, I, I think I mean I think they just discovered fuel injection, uh, maybe three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. I think they were running a drum break up front until not too long ago. I mean that was definitely retro and vintage. But uh, probably more so than I actually wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, and I can't say I blame you, especially when when you start thinking about things like dealer support. Yeah, if you know, if you're looking for something, you're going to put in the garage and break out and ride around on on sunny Sunday mornings. Okay, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But but if you're going to do any real traveling, then you know you you want something with at least some dealer presence around the. Country. Sure, and you know that was sort of a concern for me because my the, the this bike's. Will probably be my play bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the Ulysses for uh, for the the trip, the sport touring, the uh, the dual sporting, the t- and uh, the long trip. Right. But you know, I've got enough problems with de- dealer support on that bike. Sure. I, I didn't need another headache like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned that the Buell is uh, in the shop right now. That's only because uh, the only thing I was planning to ch- uh, swap out on it was a low fuel sensor, and I couldn't get anyone to sell me one. <laughs> Really? I kept getting promises of returned phone calls, and uh, it just didn't come through in time. Because hmm. uh, I've got a trip planned for this weekend. Now, it, even that's still looking kind of iffy that I'll get the Buell back in time. Because the first thing the guy said to me when I dropped the Yuli off was, uh, oh, you know, we've, we've just let three techs off for the season, so we'll get oh. to this when we can. <laughs> Great timing. Yeah. So the Yay. Thruxton might be making that trip. Yeah, We'll see. What? I don't know. Where are you headed? We're going south to uh, Escalani, Torrey, um, to ride Route 12. And that's all in Utah? Mm-hmm. U- Route 12 in Utah is like the r- road to go ride. It's, oh, uh, really? It's a beautiful, beautiful road. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, you know, that's a part of the country I've never really spent any time in. I, I was in Colorado Springs for on, on business a few years ago for like a week, and, and that's it. Other than that, you know, I, I I have absolutely no experience with uh, with that part of the country, and it's something I'm dying to do. Did you get a chance to rent a bike and, and try ride around Colorado any at all? Or? No, I didn't. Um, we were I was I was contracting at the time in IT for the Air Force, so I was, oh. I was out there for a conference. Okay, and gotcha. there was no time, no free time at all. Unfortunately, uh, my leisure time amounted to about an hour and a half walking through the Garden of the Gods. Okay. That was about it. I would have loved to have gotten a hold of a bike while I was out there, though. That's a pretty commendable use of spare time. I probably would have just stayed in a hotel and watched some porn. Yeah, you know, that, that was that was high on the list. I considered it. But uh, <laughs> I figured I'd get out and see the sun for a little while. You're in IT, man. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's t- I don't know. It's terrible. I'm, I'm a contradiction. Yeah, that's horrible. 
But uh, no, writing. Okay, so writing the the new scramble. I think I was on a 2011 fuel injected. It was so much better than I remembered a bike being. Mm-hmm. It was actually a, a joy to ride. I put uh, 25 miles on it. So do you think do you think there was a difference in the bike? Do you think the the fuel injection system had you know had a big impact on throttle response and the way it delivered power or do you think it was just a matter of where your head was? I think most of it was where my head was. Okay. I think I want to say I felt that the fuel injection made a difference um in the throttle response, but I'm going to be honest and probably say 90% of it was where my head was. Because there really weren't many other changes in the bike we're you know we're still talking about the same displacement the mm-hmm. 2008 was after the you know after the bump to the 900 cc range yeah yeah um, same same uh design same seat same ergos yeah it all felt much I, you know i was like i said i was more in this mindset that i wanted a retro feel right and and the scrambler was delivering that in in uh, spades it was uh a pleasure to ride um, if I didn't have the Yuli, I probably would have gone ahead and bought the Scrambler. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. how good I found it. But again, you have to be sort of, you, you've got to be wanting that kind of bike. Sure. And the Scrambler didn't do anything fast, but it, it did it all quite well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had fun on it. I got it on the freeway and I was a little worried taking it on the freeway, but, uh, it blasted right past every well, now, cage. What, what were you worried about? You know, I it it doesn't make sense that I was worried because I I used to take my Ninja 250 on the freeway with no yeah. problems. I was gonna say, you know, I've I've lived perfectly happily with 65 horsepower for a long, long time. Yeah, you so. know, I that's just how that's just how badly it it was colored in my memory. Yeah, was I was like I was something in my head was like, okay, I'm gonna get on the freeway and it's just it's just not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was that's. The scrambler handled everything I did uh, without a problem. I almost took it off road, but I thought they might be kind of upset when I brought it back dirty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of uh, empty construction lots very near the dealer. It turns out. Well, that one was actually the demonstrator, right? They wouldn't have cared. Yeah, they, I don't think they would. I mean, they let bird crap on it, so I don't they'd, think they they'd, would. Have, they'd have power washed it and put it back on the floor. It would have been fine. Yeah, and they were probably, and they knew they had. I mean, uh, when Mike walked around the corner, he was talking to the sales guy because the sales guy was, you know, how serious are you? And oh, you walked here. Well, I need to go talk to Mike. <laughs> and when Mike walked around the corner and saw it was me, he just laughed and laughed and laughed. He, he walks over. Hey, Mike, this nut job walked here. <laughs> yeah, he wants to ride the Thruxton. Do you want to trust him with a bike? <laughs> he looks vaguely ethnic. <laughs> I'm not sure he speaks English. No, they were very cool. They were very nice, very polite people. Uh, they offered me water. What water? No ice cream sandwiches, though. No, no, bottled water and, uh, you know, the Keurig machine. But, yeah, no bottled ice cream sandwich. Adventure water? Yes, it was adventure <laughs> The salesman, the guy that was there, you know, on our interview with Mike, he told us he had three GSs, right? Well, two GSs and a GSA. Right. The sales guy looked like a young kid to me. Just bought his new, uh, well, brand you, new GS. You're almost 40 now. Everyone looks like a young kid to you. Okay, you're taking this fake Todd thing a little too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you could step off of that. That'd be great. I'm, Thanks. I'm older than you are, so don't, you know. Uh, you know, Todd's like, what it's worth. Todd's, I think, 31. No, oh, 30. That's terrible. I don't know. He spent time with the guy. He's a kid. <sighs> okay, but yeah, this guy, I think, was probably around Todd's age. Yeah. 
and he had just bought a GS the week before. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wow, is that like a required purchase for everyone that works in a BMW dealership? Because I hate you so much. They just give them to him. You get the job and you get a GS. He had his GS there. It was on the floor as sort of a, a display model. Really? Yeah. And it was already quite admirably farkled. Nice. I could have cheerfully killed him <laughs> if he wasn't selling me a bike. Right. And, you know, showing me stuff about it and looking at my credit. The Scrambler was definitely high on my list of bikes to go, and I could happily ride that bike again. I would call it Wheel Nerd approved for what it is. Sure. Which is uh, a nice throwback to uh, a, a nicer time, a simpler well, time. And that's the thing, right? You have to you have to kind of take the the intent of the motorcycle into account. Yes. When you're evaluating it, right? Right. If, if you're going to if you're going to see Transformers two, you don't walk out disappointed that it wasn't Shakespeare. No, no, because that was pretty much just all Megan Fox bending over motorcycles, right? And there's that, nothing wrong with that. That's all I remember from yeah, that movie. Exactly. That was exactly. awesome. It, it was Megan Fox, and you know, lots of stuff blew up. Yeah, that was good. That's it. Yeah, I don't know why people hate that movie. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, but yeah, you gotta be in the right. You, I mean, a, mo- a motorcycle is such a subjective emotional choice. I yep. mean, there's there's just no practical reason for it. It's just you want to ride. You're not saving money. You're not saving the planet. Don't fool anybody. You right. want to ride because you want to ride. So as good as good as the uh, the scrambler was on on that second look, mm. um, you, you said the the Thruxton just spoke to you a little more. Right, because the uh, Thruxton is essentially very similar to the Scrambler. Right, I mean, it's the same chassis, same engine. Right. Suspension's um, a little different, the ergos are different. Right, right. I mean, the Scrambler was like, you know, an attractive girl, and the Thruxton was the cheerleader. Yeah. Um, I just, the, that cafe racer look and the, the ergos, you know, I never forgot I, what I was riding when I took that bike out. It, you know, with the with a scrambler, I forgot, and I almost felt like I was back on the Buell because of the posture and just the view over the handlebars. It reminded me very much of the Ulysses. Yeah, Thruxton, no, I, you know, you're in that sort of sporty position, and the bike is just inviting you to tip it in. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, and that you know, I showed it to my wife a picture of it before I went to go look at it, and she she liked it better than the scrambler right, right. so that was just permission to go buy it right yeah oh absolutely <laughs> that's well, what i thought I, you know i i get the the sort of the desire to not have too much overlap in the garage yeah you know what i mean that makes good sense to me when when i started shopping for what eventually ended up being the sprint you know the first things i'm drawn to are you know relatively lightweight middle displacement naked bikes well that's mm-hmm. what i already have you know, so so going to look at uh, one of the smaller monsters or the street triple or that kind of thing, which are the first machines I'm drawn to. Just you know, I, I know I'm not getting rid of the SV, so let's try to find something that that does something a little different. Right, because if you've got essentially two of the same kind of bike, it's it's you're kind of cheating yourself. Right. It's uh, you gotta yeah, you gotta spread that out. I mean, try something different. Yep. One thing about the Thruxton is it's it's a heavy bike. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. five hundred pounds. It's not a, a lightweight bike. Yeah, and right. it carries its weight. Uh, uh, well, the I, I haven't ridden the Thruxton, but I've, I've ridden a Bonneville, and it carries its weight a little high, mm. um, or, or so it feels to me. But then the SV does too, and you know, it's it's a it's a very 
upright engine configuration. It's a nice narrow package. So I, I guess that's kind of kind of the trade-off there. You have to put the weight somewhere. Right. I think I remember Todd commenting the same thing when he took it for a spin. Yeah. He felt that it was riding it a little high too. Yeah. For me, it, it just feels really nice. Mm-hmm. It reminds me very much of riding my my uh, VFR. Right. Which uh, is in like a, a different state. So sure. <laughs> it doesn't count as overlap. Right. Right. But and uh, it really kind of filled a niche. I'm I'm too scared to put myself on a powerful sport bike or a naked sport bike. I really like the Honda nine one nine. Yeah. Really, really yeah. want to have one of those, but I don't trust myself on it. I'll tell you, the nine one nine is a really well mannered machine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it, it it has the power if you wanna if you wanna crack it open and and, and run like your hair's on fire, you certainly can. But you know, there aren't very many surprises on that bike. Right. Um, it, it does everything very predictably and very well. So, well, I mean, if you if you have a chance to get on one, take it for a ride, do it. I would, yeah, I would love to uh, take it for a test ride, and I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, but as Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power <laughs> comes great That's responsibility. Great. Absolutely true. And I do not have a whole lot of responsibility in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> I know sooner or later I would do something pretty stupid on a bike like that yeah and i don't know if i if i would be lucky enough to pull it out you know just a, a bike like that um or a very powerful sport bike you know if i got on a, a zixer or something and i own one i could just see sooner or later i'm gonna do something dumb right as you as you get used to the speed and power and yeah, exactly you know, eventually you get more and more confident and more and more foolish and yeah yeah I'm, yeah i I'm can gonna... i can see the concern I'd make the rookie mistake and go into something way, way too hot. Yeah. And with the Thruxton, I'd, I don't really have that fear, I think. Um, the Thruxton seems very, very wild manner at 3,000 RPM. Right. That's like a top speed of 50. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah once I get let's past – Let's talk about that again next month. Yeah. Once I get past braking, it'll be different, I'm sure. But I, I feel pretty good about what where the Thruxton will go with me. Todd had a problem with it, um, mostly because he doesn't like the position. Really? He's not comfortable like that. Todd is uh, likes – well, he, he rides on a Russell Day long seat. Right. So he's he's very picky about his comfort. Are you sure he's only 31? Yeah. He's, well, he's, he, he's a big, uh, big skier. So he's messed right. up his knees in skiing. Yeah. And he's sensitive about his butt. He was in a fraternity, and maybe that that could be related. Could could have something to do with it. He uh, he tenses up whenever he, he hears uh, sheep noises. <laughs> you want you feel like tackling some uh, uh, listener uh, email, fake Todd? Oh, what the heck? Sure. All right, frequent uh, show writer Harry Seward. I am never going to say that word, Harry. You can just you can just forget it. It's never going to happen. You can hide it as many times as you want. It's just not going to happen. Anyways, Harry writes, it's nice to have you guys back. See, fake Todd, he knew you were coming. I don't know if either one of you subscribed to Motorcycle News, but this month's issue has a URL on the front cover, because I know you're really big on that, fake Todd. Right. The test on it is interesting. If you guys want, I'll send you the magazine. Motorcycle News is a steaming, corn-filled piece of shit magazine, for what it's worth. Wow. Wait, which Motorcycle News are we talking about? Does he clarify? Uh, no, he just says motorcycle news. Okay. So I'm going to assume he's not talking about the motorcycle consumer news. 
Okay, no, I think, no, he didn't spell it out like that. Okay. And it's the one with the euro on the, this month's cover, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one that is. Whichever one that is, I don't yeah. know. But I'm looking forward to seeing that in our P.O. box, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Take- I wonder I wonder if we're if we're talking about the, the British MCN, in which case he's absolutely right. <laughs> Please pull out the corn first. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I still want to really... I would really love to get a ride on that Ural Solo. Yeah. It, it looks like a fun bike. And just the way talk, Todd talks about the maintenance on one of those, it just sounds so much better than what I have to put up with on the Buell where everything right. – who needs dealer support at that point? Right, right. I mean everything on the Buell, if you go through the Buell service manual, everything starts with you need a special tool and assembly is the same – is the reverse as disassembly, which right. it never is. Yeah. And the Ural, he's you know he shows me the book. It's like a Xerox copy of something in Russian. I don't know, but it looks so simple. Yeah. So okay, you don't okay motorcycle news. You think it might be the British one? I'm I'm guessing it's probably the British one. Okay. Well, and I'm I'm looking at their website now, but I I don't see a a Ural. So all right, our next listener email is from Peter. So I just listened to episode 20, which contained the Craigslist ad for the Vancouver-based motorcycle cleaning lady. Are you, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, I, I heard that episode. You and remember I, that I, one? Really, I, I need that link. All right. Uh, needless to say, my interest was piqued. I sent him her it the following email. Is this ad for real? My bike is real dirty. Winky face. Can you elaborate on the cleaning procedure? <laughs> Warm regards, dirty biker. Peter is local to, uh, to the ad, so, you know. Nice. Unfortunately, we haven't heard from Peter in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh i i hope peter is safe yeah i hope his bike is clean we're i'm we're waiting to hear back from him and, and seeing what what comes up with that <laughs> uh yeah. p.s team chuck yes i am a fickle fucker yeah okay team yeah, chuck well, there you go when the uh the bike cleaning lady shows up with a a, a very well-dressed former linebacker <laughs> to keep an eye on things and she'd almost have to, right? There's got to yeah. be a catch there somewhere. Sure. But, uh, I hope uh, it, you know he sends us pictures at least. I mean, maybe maybe she'll oh, allow least. that. That would be great. Or yeah. a video. No, really, send pictures. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? Fake Todd says send pictures, Peter. <laughs> and and video, and and I don't know. Could you, could you get her to send us her feather duster? Because that <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, let's see. Last up, we got Patrick. Patrick's got a little bit of a long one here, but uh, here we go. I would be interested to hear what kind of reactions you may have gotten on the Ride Your Own Ride story. It makes me think that hearing stories like that on a fairly regular basis, especially when you can link it with a catchphrase, <laughs> is beneficial in the same way that practice and repetition helps to hone a technique. It's not about fear-mongering, which I don't think your story was. If in some ways, I don't think there can be too many reminders about safety and attention towards the unexpected. I am a new rider, and a couple weeks ago I drove my TU-250... Great choice for a bike, by the way. Absolutely. Up the canyon for the second time and enjoyed it immensely. I was more confident than on the first ride, and I had a better feel for the bike. On both the trip up and the trip down, I pulled over to let a few cars pass me because I was beginning to feel pressure in the curves. That Um, was absolutely the right response. That's great because that's something you almost never see. You To have that kind of uh, self-awareness to be able to pull over and know your limit, that's really cool. It's huge. Yeah, John. John, I hope you're listening to that. Uh, John's the guy that uh, binned it behind me a couple right. weeks ago. 
So even though your story was of a very different scene, it felt good to me because it kind of confirmed my own decisions. By the way, I don't remember them using that phrase in the MSF class, but that's maybe because it took us the better part of the first day to make it into second gear. Wow, you were in a special class, Patrick. <laughs> okay. You know, that that is the ride, ride your own ride. It's it's amazingly important, and it's, an, it's a phrase that every new rider should hear over and over again. Yeah, it should be banged into your head. I think one of the themes Todd and I talked about before we started this new season of the show was we wanted to talk more to the beginning riders to, uh, you know, get that kind of thing into their head and make them feel more comfortable about what they're doing. Absolutely. The kicker, though, is that that's really easy advice to give. It's really hard <laughs> advice to take. Yeah. Yeah. Because ride your own ride. What does that mean, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, you go up a mountain and, and you do all the twisties, you're going to feel pretty confident. Right. You know, you, you might not really feel your limit until you actually start going over that double yellow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, they, they say that the, the first motorcycle race was held moments after the second motorcycle was built. Right? <laughs> so you put, you put two guys on bikes on the same road, regardless of skill level. And, you know, there's, there's that chance that something's going to kick in. Yeah, I, that's why I feel really bad about uh, John crashing his ninja because he yeah. was following me. Yeah, you know, you could say ride your own ride as much as you want to a guy, but if you're going fast in front of him, he's going to want to keep up. Well, yeah, and I mean that's still that's still the responsibility of that rider. You know, you're you're oh. not riding his bike for him, but um, yeah. but that's you know that's the the really the the cautionary part of the tale is that when you're in that situation, when you're the guy. You know, when you're the guy in back and you're being left in the, in a corner, then you you really have to take a breath. You know, you have to stop and think. Is, right. is am I going to end up in over my head? Is something really really bad going to happen? Right. If I try to keep up with this guy. You know, especially if you're talking about you know what what were you you were on the the Yuli? Yeah. Yeah, and he was following on what a Ninja 500, right? That's right. Yeah, just coming up out of a corner, ignoring the corner entirely, just coming up out of a corner, you've got way more twist than he does. Yes. Him him trying to keep up, even, even riders of comparable skill, you know, if, if you want to leave the guy on the 500, you're going to leave the guy on the 500. Right, it's yeah. just the nature of the beast. That's what happens when you're on a slower machine. And yep. there's nothing wrong with being on a slower machine. That's the thing. No, because so you can have yeah, you can have as much fun on the slower machine as you can on the on the upper uh, the uh, higher CC machine. Yep, especially in the twisties. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's just you know it's an easy trap to fall into, and and you have to yeah if if you're if you're in that spot, then you have to constantly remind yourself: don't be stupid, don't be stupid, don't be stupid. You know, and and it's you know that's you know that's my mantra. I constantly right. tell myself that. Right. So kudos to Patrick for having that kind of self-awareness. That's absolutely that's very admirable. I, I, uh, I hope you keep it up because uh, I, I, I take pictures of, of my wife and daughter, usually to the, the handlebars somewhere or, or uh, <laughs> right. You know, right over the gauge pod or something, just so I have something to look down to, to you know, keep that beast off my shoulders. Right. That's that's what I need to get home to. Yep. Right. That's what's waiting for me. Yeah. And while well, talking about, uh, we were talking about Steve Nat's show a little while ago and he, um, you know, one of the, one of the questions he frequently asks racers 
who have who have had kids is when your first kid was born, did you get slower? Because he says he did. You know, mm-hmm. he was an amateur racer for a while, and he said there's, you know, he's worked out this uh, uh, this formula where with, with every child born, he lost a couple tenths per lap. What did he get for uh, answers? Uh, was there he, a trend? Pro racers, most of them say they got faster because they, you know, it increases their dedication to, to succeeding and to, you know, bringing home the, the proverbial bacon, I suppose. Um, okay. But, you know, it, it takes a really special kind of person to do that anyway. Yeah, you know, if you're making your living off of that, yeah. Versus if you're just doing it on the weekends for fun, right? I'm I'm not a track guy. No. Do you do track days? I used to when I lived in Virginia. Uh, the, there was a there was a track not too far from me, uh, and I, I I did a couple track days when I was down there, but I haven't done one in years. Okay. The interesting thing about the Thruxton, the dealer told me this when I was uh, signing the paperwork. The track out here, they do a vintage. Track day, vintage races. Nice. And the Thruxton's the only modern bike allowed into it. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So he was like, you can go out there and school all of them. Right. And, and I was like, ha you obviously haven't seen me ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the the awesome thing about being, the, the great thing about being on a track, though, is that there are no garbage trucks. <laughs> no garbage trucks, no cats, no kids. Right. And that's, you know, that's the real danger. The the actual speed isn't a big deal. You know, I mean, obviously, if you if you, you lay your bike down on the street, you're going to be rather annoyed that you, you bend your new bike. But you're probably going to walk away from it as long mm. as you don't hit a garbage truck or a hard curb or a telephone pole or... You know, any one of the other multitude or, you know, uh, uh, an Oldsmobile. Yeah, anything. <laughs> and and you, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff on the track. So it you can just sort of get out there and cut loose and really find out what you're capable of. Nothing says you have to push it to the limit. Mm-hmm. But once all those other distractions are gone, it makes it much easier to figure to 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 go as far as you're comfortable going. My fear with the track is I'll do it once and then suddenly my hobby will suddenly be a, a lot more expensive. Right. And then all, all of a sudden you're into a $200 a week habit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be hanging out on street corners saying, yeah. hey, baby, want a date? <laughs> I, need, I need a track date. Just a taste. Just a little bit. Come on. <laughs> you look lonely, sir. Would you like me to sit in your car for 20 minutes? Yeah, no, okay, we've crossed that line. Yeah. <laughs> and with that happy image, <laughs> uh, I think we're going to be wrapping it up here. Um, I'd like to thank James again, James and Chris, both for being the fake Todd. Um, as is tradition on the show, we'd like to ask a question. Fake Todd, what have you learned? I've learned that I don't want to do any more track days. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned, Chuck? I've learned that I, I have a very addictive personality, apparently. Yeah. This is uh, James from The Pace. Be sure to give his show a listen. I'm sure I, – I imagine most of our listeners actually listen to your show already. ThePacePodcast.com, right? That's it. Um, so I'm Chuck. I'm Fake Todd. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.